Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Dry Athlete Podcast. First of all, let me wish everybody a very happy new year. Hope 2023 ended on a high note and you're starting 2024 all guns blazing. Um, speaking of all guns blazing, today I have a really exciting guest with me on the show, Gila Mir from Say Yes to Life Swims. Hey, Gila, thank you for joining. Good. I'm great. How are you? Good. Great. Would you like to start by introducing yourself? Sure. Well, my name's Gila, as you said, and I am an adult onset swimmer. I'm sure we'll get into that. A lot of your listeners are probably in the same boat where they became uh, swimmers uh, as adults. We can talk maybe some about some of the challenges involved with that. But I love swimming and I'm a swimming expert. I have taught more than, uh, oh, well, hundreds of swim students in the open water. And um I'm just really, really happy to be here, Ram. So thank you for inviting me. Appreciate you being here. And you can count me as one of your students. Uh, a couple <laughs> of weeks ago, uh, Gila was nice enough to join me out in the open water on her kayak and give me some really good tips on my form. And it really helped. I mean, I can actually oh. feel myself improve after that session. So anybody Great. in the Seattle area, if you're looking for, you know, a really energetic coach to follow you on the water uh, a couple of times, you know, uh, look Gila up. And we'll share the links and stuff in the in the podcast description. All um, right. Cool. So, yeah, I, I think why don't we start by, you know, talking about your fitness history growing up? I actually don't have a lot of fitness history uh, growing up. Uh, and, and we could talk a little bit about Title IX. That was one of the things. So that was something that was passed um, in 73, I believe, which um, put a lot more money into women's sports at the university level. Uh, that changed the world for girls and women. Uh, but I was pre that. And what that means is there's basically no physical education when I was growing up. I mean, President Kennedy, I should admit that I'm 68 years old. So President Kennedy in my elementary school years did this sort of fitness challenge. We found ourselves doing uh, push-ups and stuff. And that was about the extent of my early childhood fitness, you know. And it wasn't until I was in my mid-40s, believe it or not, uh, that I decided, I didn't even decide, I just kind of flowed into starting to try out a whole bunch of different um, physical activities, including Swiss ball, which is that big, huge exercise ball that you can do, you know, sit-ups and stuff on. I took a lot of classes, including aerial, even, you know, the like swinging on the trapeze and all this stuff. Uh, what I landed on, what I was really built for, what my heart was into was ultimately swimming. So at the age of 46, I took my first swim lesson at Rainier Beach Pool here in South Seattle. Interesting. So, I mean, mid 40s, what was the trigger for you after so long not being physically active? Was there something specific that motivated you to look into this area? Um, and I won't say that I, I sometimes say I was a couch potato, which is not totally true because we, our whole family was fairly active. You know, we, I bicycled my whole childhood and all that stuff, but I never did anything sporty. You know, I just bicycled to get around town. Um, so part of my exploration in my mid forties was I was taking this aqua jog class. It was deep water aqua jog. And you've probably seen those or even taken those classes. They're super fun. But I looked over to the other lane, the lane right next to the area that we were using, and there were these swimmers floating by, seemingly effortlessly, just so graceful. 
oh, I just suddenly, aha, the light went on. I want to be one of them. So it was that moment that I kind of did a, a deep dive, so to speak. I went and got my first lesson a few weeks after that. Um, yeah, so that's what spurred me. Yeah. Well, congratulations. You are one of them now, so you've made it. <laughs> um, interesting. So, so you know, fast forward to today, uh, what role does fitness play in your life today now? It plays a pretty big one. It's kind of really um, integrated into my life now. Um, I started Stay Yes to Life Swims, which was the only and still remains the only swim excursion company, open water swim excursion company in the Northwest in 2011, sort of based on a, a swim trek. Some of your listeners may be familiar with these international swim vacations that you can take. So way back in the early days, I kind of looked at that and said, hey, we are surrounded by water. Uh, I want to kick something like that off. Um, so with that came a whole bunch of physical activity, you know, because when, as you know, because you were a student, I'm in the kayak, I have to get in and out of the kayak, you know, five, three to five times um, every day that I give lessons. Um, I do some races, some competitions, but I've always looked at those things more as events for me because I'm a relatively slow swimmer. And I've never, I've won my age group sometimes only because like there's two of us in that age group, which is great. It's something to look forward to uh, as your listeners age. Um, but, you know, we have rescue dogs. Um, in, order, in other words, my partner and I uh, are, we adopted some dogs. They keep us super active. I really believe, and I started researching quite a lot about functional exercise, you know, not just going, I, I've never enjoyed gyms. I hate the way they feel and look and the vibe there. Um, but functional exercises like things, movements that you would do in your real life, pick up heavy things, bend over, squat, do all the things, you know, that are really good for you. So I, we actually, both my partner and I do a lot of that stuff just because it's part of life. Interesting. Got it. So Say Yes to Life Swims is, is a business you've started, but what's your normal career or the other, what's your actual other career? Oh, thank you for asking. Yeah. People think this is, quote, all that I do. And it does take up a lot of time because its season is uh, April 15th through November 15th. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a hugely long swim season, you know, way outside the normal parameters for open water swimming. But I, I am a trainer and consultant in, I won't say real life, but preceding uh, when I kicked this business off. Um, in 1994, I started my own business, Guy Lamir and Associates, and I train people to teach adults. I love adult education. I have, I have my master's is in adult education, and I've actually been training people since the mid '80s, which really aids me, uh, ages me. I started uh, training trainers in a Thai refugee camp um, in the early '80s, and that experience really gave me a lot of direction in terms of what I wanted to do with my life, which was teach adults. So I built my own business uh, starting in 94 and I've worked with all the big names, local names, Starbucks, Amazon, you name it. I have consulted with them, uh, teaching people how to be better presenters and trainers and facilitators. And believe it or not, that made it through COVID. I had to kind of put it all online. Now I'm taking it offline. And the business, I would not say is still going strong, but it's still there and it will remain there, you know, as long as I want it to probably, but I'm really thankful to those who continue hiring me as a trainer and consultant. 
that's really wonderful and inspiring. Um, in fact, you know, one of the person, one, one pe- somebody I was talking to recently, who's also a triathlete, was telling me that, you know, when he asked around uh, to people who were really into fitness and activities, they usually lead double lives where they have a normal life, which is their career and everything. And then they have a whole second life, which is where they do all their fitness activities. And, you know, there's a basically the amount of dedication is almost as much as their normal career, right? And yeah. I can see that in you. I mean, you're basically running, you know, a business, two businesses at this point in time. And so that's, uh, that's your double life right there. Um, it really so is. And sometimes when I have to do two things in the same day, that is like do some online consulting and then switch over to, hey, strip off these clothes, put on some other clothes and climb in that kayak and tune into my swim brain. It is kind mm-hmm. of an interesting switch. Interesting. Interesting. But let me so- just say- the yeah. underlying commonality is always uh, how much I get out of working with adults in an education. Mm-hmm. I just love yeah, it. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, adult education. I mean, I have my own experience with that. I used to run a business, uh, an ESL business, English as a second language business in India to teach young adults spoken English. Uh, so that's been an area that I'm pretty passionate about as well. Um, what What gives you a kick about that space? Um, I think that when adults put themselves into a vulnerable vulnerable position of, of wanting to learn, that mm-hmm. automatically puts them into a, you know, I've been in that position. I felt so humiliated trying to learn how to swim at the age of 46. I was very bad. I didn't know what I was doing. I was uncoordinated. And that can be those, those feelings. Uh, a lot of people have those even in the corporate training room when I'm talking to them about, hey, stand tall enjoy what you're doing in terms of presenting. Here are some tips and techniques. I know what's going through their minds and bodies is I'm horrible at this. I can't do this. You know, this is not me. And many of my swim students say that they come to me with that same feeling of, I can't do this, but they took that leap and said, I want to give it a try. And that's what I just, I just appreciate and love that in adult students. I honor that in adult students. Yeah, that's, that's a very interesting point because very few people actually speak about the psychological journey of learning a new skill as an adult. I mean, I've spoken to a couple of parents who've learned swimming later in their in their years. And, you know, when you, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, uh, when you have kids and, you know, your kids see you fumbling at a new skill, it's almost weird because it's a reversal of, reversal of roles in some sense because you're the parent, you're supposed to know everything in the world, but here you are you know, having a coach uh, yell at you and you're putting yourself in that position with children is, is not easy. So do you see any yeah. of those flavors in, in, in your interactions? Well, thank God, I don't believe in yelling. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> people, but I can definitely see how it, how humbling it would be to be an adult with children. Yeah. Trying to learn a new skill. I mean, wow. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> I know that uh, many folks, I, I think the CDC says that 30, fully, well, about 40% of all adults in the United States do not know how to swim. So it's a wow. huge, um, and if the adult, the parent doesn't know how to swim, the child is very apt to have issues about yeah. not being able to swim as well. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. So coming to the selection of a coach at the age of I mean, at 47, when you started learning how to swim, how did you go about picking your coach and what was that experience like? Oh, that is such an interesting question because as you might guess, I'm super picky and judgmental about who teaches me. 
<laughs> anyone who has experience with adult education has preferences. Um, and I didn't know what to look for. So the first person, I mean, basically I had four, five, 16 year old lifeguards in the public pool who could not understand any difficulties with swimming since they had been in the pool since four or five years old. And I remember some of them saying to me, well, just do it. Here's what it looks like. You show it, just do it. No, that's not right. Just do it. It's like, what? Well, give me the steps. Tell me exactly what I'm doing wrong or right with my hand. What with my body? You know, tell me what you see. Um, now I realize it would have just been really helpful to have somebody come out and video me, but then I wouldn't have known really what I should have been doing anyway. So you need a really knowledgeable person. And I actually found uh, two, well, one specific guru organization, and that's Swim Smooth in Australia. I found a way back, man, 2009, maybe 2010. And they gave me what I needed. They gave, they focus on open water freestyle, not only on triathlons, but anyone who wants to swim in the open water. And it was really only one guy. I say they, but it was him. I followed him. And I finally found a person who spoke to me, who understood kind of what I was going through. And um, it was extremely helpful. I'm still in contact with that organization. They put out videos once in a while, um, but everyone's putting out videos. So I would say to your listeners, videos are not necessarily just if you go on YouTube and start looking at videos, not necessarily the best way to go about things. You need someone to give you feedback. Was that helpful to you, Ron, when I worked with you when we oh, yeah. worked together? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there were two things that really stood out that I could immediately uh, include in my routine. So one was the bilateral breathing. Uh, I had no idea that breathing only on one side makes you swim, often results in swimming in a diagonal line, not in a straight line, but at an angle. Yeah. And in open water swim, that basically adds mileage to your distance for no reason. And that's just direct exertion and time that you're adding to your overall, you know, uh, overall swimming leg, right? So that's that's terrible. So yeah, trying to start by uh, trying to practice bilateral breathing was uh, hugely helpful for me. And the other thing was, I mean, just to improve my breathe, breathing rhythm, I think you gave me the mnemonic, mnemonic or the, the the thing, which was like bubble, bubble, blow, bubble, bubble, blow. And just having a physical rhythm to chant uh, again gets the body and mind into a groove that there is a certain cadence at which you're operating. And you can hold yourself true to that. And that just helps, again, things fall into place. So I think those two things were very, very helpful for me. And I still kind of use them uh, pretty much every time I swim. That's interesting. Thank you for sharing that. I had, uh, as you know, it's New Year's. It's 2nd of January. I had a New Year's brunch yesterday. I went to this brunch. And I was talking to this guy who's a cyclist. He's a triathlete, just like many of your listeners. And he had listened to a podcast recently. And he said this takeaway he got was so interesting because he says in 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 uh, bicycling, the feedback is pretty fast. You learn what is working, what's not working pretty darn fast by feel. But in swimming, the feedback is much slower. Somehow it's slower for our bodies to catch on to what your coach may be telling you. It, we can't necessarily feel it as well as we can with maybe running and biking. Um, that says to me, the takeaway is you got to be so patient as a swimmer. And why I so many students who come to me with triathlon as their goal just think they're going to be able to kill it in one lesson. And hey, I got to tell you, that's not going to happen. 
you know, because swimming is, is an art and it takes a long time. There are techniques that speed it up and make it more efficient uh, to learn. But I think in general, it's a little harder to master than some of that other stuff. It is, I, I think. Yeah, I mean, there's something unique about the way the muscles need to work and the position you're in that, you know, normal day to day life kind of doesn't do for you. So, yeah, and you know, and I guess it's also tougher to learn things as an adult, perhaps. So all that kind of adds up. Um, but coming back to your adult learning experience, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so how long did it take you? How, how much effort did you have to put in to become comfortable and ultimately start your own coaching school? I've been thinking about this recently because I'm very aware that even though now I've been swimming for a little over 20 years, I'm still learning. Mm -hmm. I am still learning. And something you mentioned a little bit ago about, about rhythm and tempo. I mean, thing if it's not one thing, it's another in a sense to work on. And I've been very aware over the last um, four or five months, just um, really getting even more in touch with my swim rhythm. It's something that you know it when you have it, but if you don't have it, you don't know quite how to get it. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's, I've been tuning in and just doing self work on that. Um, now, what was your actual question? I actually forgot that just then because I wanted yeah, to just say that. Yeah, just walk through your learning experience. Uh, so okay. you started learning at the age of 46, 47 with a coach. How yeah, long did I it would... take you to feel confident? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, I started in 2001. So uh, by 2000, and then my mom uh, died. Life happens, you know. Mm -hmm. So by 2006, I swam my first Alcatraz um, event. And that's you know, when you think about Alcatraz, it sounds so mythical and like, ooh, but you know, it's really only a mile and a quarter. So most people can swim Alcatraz. It mm -hmm. just sounds so impressive. So I would encourage anyone that you know, hey, start thinking about Alcatraz, even if you don't see yourself as primarily a swimmer. So that was only five years after I started. And that was actually the beginning of my open water journey. I love swimming in the pool. Um, but some of the things that I've been able to accomplish in 2015, I swam the 11 mile Portland bridges swim, which is, uh, as it says, you go under each of the 12 bridges on the Willamette river. And that's my longest swim to date. Um, I'm not sure, you know, I've been asking myself, what about 2024? What are my goals for 2024? I think one major goal, and I think everyone should do this is get into the pool at least once a week. I am so busy with life that often a week goes by and I can't get into the pool, even though I may swim in the open water twice. But the pool is where you really work on your technique. And that's mm -hmm. why I've always done both pool and open water swimming. Interesting. As I, Interesting. Yeah. I Got also, it. at the beginning, go back to your question, I entered every single race I could possibly enter just to do it. And yep. I think that's important, too, to get over some of those psychological humps that we all mm -hmm. have about, oh my God, you know, I'm not a competitor, is this scary, et cetera. Interesting. So how long were you actively taking coaching? I would say not not long. Mm -hmm. I I would say in, in essence, I'm more of a self-directed learner. Mm -hmm. What I did, I found, um, I practiced a lot. I probably had four or five people that acted as coaches for mm -hmm. a lesson or two. So I don't have a real coach other than that swim smooth, Got it. Uh, you know, organization, but I read tons of research. I took a kinesiology class. I mean, 
I got really into the mechanics of swimming. What interesting. Interesting. I'm not interested in just telling people, Hey, let's go give it a try. I actually want to go back to what I've learned through my own personal experiences and struggles. Oh my God, my struggles and what the research tells us about depth of entry on your, when you put your hand in uh, the pull Um, swimming is much more uh, complex than a lot of people. I think, think that it is. On the other hand, it can be much easier if you think of the definition of swimming as being so long as you're moving forward in the water and getting the breath that you need, then you're swimming. So the world is your oyster in terms of what yeah. what part of swimming you really want to focus on. Yep. But that's a note, good note to our listeners, which is uh, you don't always need to have an active coach for a long period of time. And especially now, I'm guessing the content online is way better than it was, you know, when you started out learning, Hila. So, you know, everybody, <clears throat> as long as you have access to water, you can learn how to swim. Uh, I think just go in with that confidence and, and you'll be able to get there. Um, so from a coaching standpoint, any interesting stories you can share of adult learners who have really stood out for you and the ones who succeed the most? I always have really interesting people who come to me. I mean, I've had everyone... Last year, I had a guy from the Greek national swim team. I mean, he was a, basically a professional swimmer. He came because he was unfamiliar with the open water. He was kind of freaked out by the open water. But my God, looking at his stroke, I was so envious from the kayak. It's like, oh, baby, I wish I could swim like that. But still, he came to me multiple times so that he could get used to the open water. I also have people who the most they can do is float. And this is difficult for some people. They can float on their stomachs. I mean, they're memorable too, because they don't know what to do. They don't, they have a feeling, they have an image in their heads of swimming, of thrashing your arms around and somehow motoring yourself forward with all this flat, you know, splashy white water all around you. So those stick out in my mind too, that we work together to release the tension and learn to relax because that's really what's going to move you ahead. And it mm -hmm. doesn't do any good to have a swim coach saying, just relax. You need to really tune into your body and figure out, well, how do I relax in this unfamiliar world of open water swimming, this tight, you know, wetsuit, this unfamiliar neoprene, all of this is new and weird uh, to me. Plus the stuff in the water, the milfoil, um, which is the lake weeds that some people are really scared of, even shadows on the water. People jump back, you know, what's that? Uh, it, it, I'm always interested in just, these are just things that I've noted, you know, um, I, I'm always interested to see what, how people react to things in the whole experience, not yep. just the water, but getting into the wetsuit and, and you name it. Um, yep. I think I answered your question. Anything really stick yeah. out in, in our events? I don't know if you know this, but we do, uh, yeah, going to come to that. Yeah. Yeah. One of the women that stands out to me is this lady, this young woman. Uh, it was her first half mile swim. She was so scared. She was wearing a wetsuit and she was just holding back. And I have a picture of her like, just, you know, <laughs> well, that was in May. And by September of that year, she had swum a 10K without a wetsuit. Oh, wow. So, I mean, some people just take to it like it is a natural dolphin within them that streaks out. Uh, and and others like myself, it takes a lot more time and concentration. Uh, it's not natural to everyone. Fantastic. 
So I was going to come to the events next. Um, any major events you already planned for 2024 or ones that you do every year that you're really looking forward to? Oh, yeah. So uh, we just solidified the date. So I'll be putting the dates on uh, by the end of this week of our nine events. We have two long ones that are always great. It's the 12th annual uh, Tubby Trout 5K for some of the folks that you may know who wants to take on a, strong, a longer swim. And we also, every other year, we do the Octo Challenge, which is an 8K swim. So th these, these are long swims. But we always start in uh, May, late May or early June, with a half mile and a mile swim um, for people who potentially are just starting out. I know people for whom that was their very first open water swim. And other folks um, took lessons with me the year before and they want to start again. And this is kind of a way to kick that off uh, for them. Interesting. They always end the year with uh, an Alki uh, swim called Awesome Alki. And this is, I think that's 13th year. Um, wow. Here we do fish and chips and, you know, it's a really, uh, oh, one other swim that people love is the Deception Pass which sounds scary to people because, you know, the water is intense up there. But there are uh, bays there mm -hmm. that are not rough at all, that are beautiful places to swim. So we always do a gourmet picnic deception pass swim in August. So if people are, if, if any of your listeners are interested in these swims, just look on the Say Yes to Life Swims website, maybe within the next week once I post those. They can't register until, um, I think, March 15th everything opens up for registration but putting them on the calendar is pretty important with all the stuff that triathletes absolutely get into over the year yeah we will be including links to all of what gila's mentioning in the podcast description so folks can find it there very easily um finally you know gila i think we're starting off 2024 any tips for new learners trying to who's who made a resolution to learn swimming in this year yeah that was a good question um, I could say so much. I'm going to say, trust yourself. Um, if you decided that you wanted to swim, trust yourself, take it slow, find a coach. And I just want to say, follow, follow that sensation that you had, that feeling that you had of, I think I want to take on swimming. Or if you're a triathlete, you know, you have to take on swimming. Relax. It's not that bad. <laughs> And you'll probably love it once you start. I know the triathletes, you know, nah, not me. But, you know, so many triathletes end up saying, hey, I never dreamed it would be true, but I really like the swimming portion of the triathlon. Yep. Wonderful. Yeah, I'm slowly trying to migrate over to that camp. I can't say swimming is my favorite yet, but uh, spending more time in the water, looking at videos, getting some coaching tips, and I'm getting better. So hopefully I'll start liking it more and more. Well, good but luck. I think, yeah, that's a great note on which to end this uh, end this podcast, uh, Gila. Thank you so much for your time and your, you know, uh, sharing your story with us. Super inspiring. You know, when I started the podcast, I never thought of the fact that I would include, I mean, somebody would talk about, you know, presidential action uh, impacting <laughs> fitness journeys, right? So yeah. it's just amazing to hear these stories and how things just come together in life. Uh, so thank you so much for sharing that perspective. Oh man, Ron, you are doing a fabulous thing by offering this podcast. So thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of it. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. See you around. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.